welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. One of the shows that we have up online 24 7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word centerlefttalkradio.com if 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 i if i were to sort of uh, absorb and then uh, release uh, what i'm hearing a lot in media on tv and in a lot of shows a lot of places i would change that entry uh, somewhat uh, th- this is something I, I don't know if you've picked up on this but these days People don't. I, I've been saying now for the six years we've done the show. <clears throat> I'm I'm pleased and I'm honored. Now I'm hearing, and when you hear it everywhere, I'm excited to, and and I and I I think I I think the first time I heard it might have been Lydia Bostonich as she was <laughs> introducing one of her shows or something. I've heard it countless times. Maybe it was there before her. And maybe, it, I think it goes back just, just a few months now. But everybody says, I'm excited to blah, blah. Really? It, it, it sounds just... A, a tad hyperbolic, but well, it, it, I'm I'm pleased and I'm honored, I, and and if necessary, I'll be I'll gladly add it. I suppose to to a to an extent, I am also, and I, I as the show goes on, invariably I, I I I notice my emotional state does tend to rise. So okay, I'm excited too to be your host and com, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. Um, it's Friday. And uh, David will be with us later on. It's Friday, the 10th of November. Uh, Two days, was it three? No, this is Friday. So it was Tuesday was about as off year and election day as you're going to have, the 7th of November. That's the date. That just seems to be the date for everything for elections. It's how we're set up. Or first Tuesday in November, or something like that, or second—I I forget how it works out. Is it second Tuesday, or and Thanksgiving is the last Thursday, or whatever? However, this works out. Um, we had in our last show, and that was Tuesday morning. I—I uh, I entitled it on air. I think I called it "Don't Panic," um, and I was referencing the uh, Douglas Adams series, or primarily, for the, you know, the, the, the reference for the beginning of that series was A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was redone as a British uh, sitcom. Uh, it was redone as a full-length movie. The book was absolutely one of the most brilliant, satirical, hilarious, great things I'd ever written. It was up there with... Um, how it, it was up there with things that kids in college pick up on uh, uh, the type of thing that that just becomes almost a cultish kind of a book. I can remember once passing through uh, the London app through Heathrow, 
and finding, tucked on a book rack somewhere, a compendium of, uh, of three or four of Douglas Adams, his main novels all combined together in one bound paperback, and I bought it immediately, and I uh, certainly killed some time on that flight uh, reacquainting uh, myself with the brilliance that is, that is he. But one of the main things he said was, uh, and in fact, it, it appears in the beginning of the book. It's like, it's like an overleaf in the beginning of the book. And it says, don't panic. And, and this is the, uh, allegedly, if, if you were reading that book, and that book was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and that's what you're supposed to be reading. It's actually not the book that Douglas Adam wrote. It's, it, Adams wrote. It, it's being written by some other earthling or somebody off earth or something. But The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and one of the main concepts... One of the main things you have to keep in mind if you are a hitchhiker in the galaxy is that weird stuff is going to happen. And whatever you do, don't panic. And, and, and I'm going to give myself and others listening the, the same advice this morning. Um, we were talking on our last show. There was a great deal made of a New York Times uh, Marist College poll that had been released the day before on Monday, the day before the election, that just absolutely painted Joe Biden as, oh my God, he was down by as much as 11 or 12 points in, I, I forget which swing state, and was down just about everywhere else, was down in just about every major category used to determine people's opinions. This, and this was a heads-up, this was a head-to-head matchup between, between Biden and Trump. And to look at that, and again, you know, depending on who you are and depending on what your point of view is and depending, you know, your political orientation. Well, a poll is a poll. It's nothing but a snapshot. I don't pay attention to polls. They, unless, of course, they say exactly what you want them to say, at which point you jump up and down and you, and you just start megaphoning them all over the place and getting the point out about how absolutely accurate and great they were. Well, this was one. Certainly, if you, uh, coming from the commentator on a show called Center Left Radio, um, that wasn't exactly thrilling, wasn't exactly uplifting. And you easily could have walked away with the sense that, oh my God, and you were hearing immediately, that's it, now there are calls for Joe to, to be replaced, everybody has to, now, now he's just too old, we have to, blah, 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 and he's not connecting, and they just don't know how to take the message, blah, 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 blah. the day before the, a midterm election, an off-year midterm, off-year election, not even midterm, I mean, you know, 22 would have been the midterm, here's 23, that's as off-year as you're going to get, and, and, and the more off-year, the more midterm, the more, the more other than presidential election year it gets, the rule of thumb is it's just really hard to get people excited about anything, to come out, to do anything, to vote, to really make, express, make their opinions ex, you know, heard and express their feelings on things, blah, blah, blah. And yes, uh, I, my, 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 my mailbox is stuffed 
with constant reminders or was stuffed with constant reminders of what the important races were, what was going to happen, how much was going to be decided in Virginia and Pennsylvania and Ohio and, and this, this little cluster of four Midwestern-ish states over there moving into the Midwest and, and, and how much this blah, 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 and who needs money and who, I, I, I get this from, you know, there was a period of time where basically the, the requests for money were pretty much staying local but now my name is shared all over and you get, you, you, I'm sure everybody is experiencing the same thing. I get requests for money and reminders about the life and death nature of everybody's campaign and what the vote one way and, and oh my God, we're in trouble. We need your help now. And it gets it gets damned annoying. I don't care which side of the equation you're on, it does get annoying. It can get quite disturbing at times, especially when, you know, you're, you're confronted with, oh my God, look at that, we might lose everything, blah, 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 whatever. But it, it, it's, it's a drone, it never ends. And uh, there was plenty of that all this week. Certainly there was, it was there Monday and Tuesday morning before election. I, I think I voted by about 6.15 in the morning. I have very early mornings. Uh, that's when I do most of my work, early in the morning. That's, that's what I prefer to do, certainly. Um, and then the election itself and then the results. And there wasn't supposed, there, there was no great expectation. And given what we had heard about Biden on Monday and, and how absolutely disastrous his matchup was with Trump and people trying to somehow rationalize that and feel better about it, the, the, the expectations for Tuesday weren't great. But the results of Tuesday if you're anywhere on the spectrum of Democrat, as it were, anywhere from center-right to, uh, to far, far left, you felt pretty good, pretty damn good about what happened. Abortion issues, two, two, two major issues that, that maybe no one would have expected. Or certainly not the second issue. Abortion and democracy. And you, you know, and, and, and speaking about democracy, you picture Joe Biden, the, 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 the wizenly old man there, just basically saying, America's wonderful, it's a good place. And, uh, and everybody goes, oh, yawn, you know. And, and, uh, well, that's not the case. And abortion, which basically uh, Donald has wrapped himself in and has wrapped around himself and taken credit for forever. And I destroyed a 50-year-old precedent. And do you see what I can do when I want to destroy something? And makes, it's all me. I did it all. I want, I, 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 I. No one can do it better than me. Yay, Donald destroyed. Yeah, we got, we got, we got uh, people going to, we're going to make people go to prison all over the country. And we're going to get a full nationwide absolute ban on abortion, not just giving states a chance to make up their own minds. No, we're going to make sure that anyone that comes near a 12-year-old who's been raped by, by, uh, by an illegal alien, uh, will boy, they're going to go to jail, and the 12-year-old will put the 12-year-old in jail. Whatever. 
Donald has been just making so much uh, currency, so much, so much noise about his role in destroying a 50-year-old stare decisis right that not only destroyed that right, technically, within the country, but gave the Supreme Court a chance to state that it had no underpinnings, no ethical concerns about, uh, no legal uh, attachment to the notion of stare decisis, to the way decisions are made, and, and the Alito decision that was, was it, was it Alito? Uh, I, I, you know, you get to, I get to a point where I, I don't even want to remember anymore. It was one of the worst reasoned legal decisions humanly possible. It was a manufactured hit job on a 50-year-old right of women. And everybody, you know, and, and, and the Republicans still can't stop congratulating themselves for making life horrific uh, for, for people around the country, for, for taking away women's right to choose, for creating medical issues that need not be created by forcing people to go back. Tommy Tuberville is out there holding up all of the military promotions because, well, you know, uh, the, the Defense Department basically is allowing uh, female soldiers to cross state lines if they can't get an abortion in the state where they happen to be. No, I won't allow that. We can't have that. No, we got to stop it. It's, it's just, it's, a, it's an emotion in search of, in search of factual uh, it's victory. It's, it's, a, it's a need to try even harder to basically kind of get the, the rush that that victory was supposed to give everybody who finally, after 50 years, removed us from the heel, from the boot, from the blight of protection for women's rights to choose and basically to choose to terminate an, a, a pregnancy if that were the case under under certain rational restrictions that were out there and that were consistently being chipped away, by the way, state by state. And this is kind of what brought Roe up there. And then Donald goes ahead and gets three new Supreme Court justices, two of whom lied openly during their Senate hearings, saying they would not touch it. Why? Because it was established stare decisis law and they just aren't going to go there. It, it will remain. I won't touch it. They lied. They knew from the moment they were there. They know the only reason they were there is because they had given Donald or used or through a surrogate assured Donald that they would take down Roe v. Wade. And on Tuesday of this week, the, the people who weren't supposed to be motivated during an off-off-year election, the people who really weren't supposed to be paying all that much attention, uh, races that were supposed to go predictably within states that we thought were turning redder and redder and redder, well, what got turned on Tuesday was everything got turned on its head for those people and I might even include myself to some extent in there, who were beginning to, if not verbalize it, begin to think in terms of doom and gloom. There's a, there's a thing that, that, that I've been saying with, with David, as long as David has been my co-host on, 
David Bach has been my co-host on Fridays, as he will be later in the next segment of the show. And it's uh, I, after we've had whatever discussion we're having at, at that on that particular show, uh, I typically tend to say, well, you know, uh, we, we discuss this stuff and we go through it because, well, you know, uh, we can't just assume. And, hey, that's why they play the games. Well, elections are the ultimate games that we play here. That all the prognosticating, all of the, all of the rationalization, all of the snapshot-based predictions about where the country is going, where it's going to wind up, how Americans feel, what they think, well, it all comes down to expressing themselves during elections. Those are the games. Those are the games we play. I mean, they're they're the campaigns, but, but the big game is the actual election. And on Tuesday, uh, Americans said loud and clear, I mean, as loudly and clearly as one can imagine them saying, that the notions of having both a standing right, a 50-year-plus standing right taken from them, and the threat of having the very structural foundation of the country, the democratic principles, the democratic institutions, the threat of having all that removed by a guy who's promising to do it if he gets back in the White House, rather than that being a cause celeb and a reason for people to jump up and down and cheer and applaud and Republicans, really true MAGA Republicans, taking great joy in Democrats shirking and shrinking and being frightened to death. Oh my God, they're taking over. They're going to destroy everything. Rather than it kind of ending that way and the bad guys winning in the end, it ended almost the polar opposite. It ended rationally. It ended reasonably. It ended the way one would expect a democratically based, a, a, a liberal democratic society should react and respond to the notion of having a major 50-year-plus established right removed and watching the very foundation of the society in which they live, the national, the constitutional foundation of the country being threatened. It actually responded, the only word is rationally, to threats. For all of the, for all of the screaming and yelling of, 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 of the MAGA types and all of the blood-curdling anger and everything about emotion and feeling power and not even noticing that what you're doing is shooting yourself in the head or cutting your nose off to spite your face, choose your analogy, and, and basically just for this sensation of having power and having grievance and yelling and somehow being emotionally linked to Donald and feeling the, this connection with the guy who's been grievanced, but he's also been the president. And, and wow, what a sense of power, what a surge it is. And it's irrational and it's nuts. And what we're trying to get done is to the, the, the detriment of everybody and everything. But it's this feeling... 
It's this feeling I have when I'm linked up to this guy. It's like I'm still watching The Apprentice. I still love the show. It's just, it feels so great to be linked up with Donald. I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to use any rational judgment capacity that I might have. I don't have to do any critical reasoning of any kind. I simply have to feel a combination of empowered, wronged, grievanced, and, and then elevated and sublimated through his anger. And, and that's all that counts. And then I, I join my anger into everybody else's and forget about the goddamn issues. The issues aren't important. It doesn't matter if I'm hurting myself. It's just to feel that rush. And I'll use that rush to imagine that somehow I'm actually making my life better and elevating my life and somehow we're all kind of, but, 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 but we don't have to think. We, we, we don't have to really step back and look at what it is we're actually trying to create, what, what we're trying to destroy. Just the feeling is all that matters. We're separating that away from everything else. Not, we're not taking into account what democracy is. We're not taking into account what rights are. All we want to know is our feeling and screw everybody else. And it's kind of scary when you watch people play that out. It's scary when you watch it um, broadcast to you. It's scary <clears throat> when you see it replicated or, or expressed in social media. It's out there constantly. It's scary when you see a bunch of kids on uh, Ivy League college campuses irrationally, based on, I, I think, just purely social media input, demanding that Israel be removed from the river to the sea, that Jews be, uh, be eliminated, that, 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 uh, that the state of Israel become a functional non-entity, that Jews on, on it's, it's, it's so nuts. It's so nuts how our system of communication, if you can even call it communication, of our, how our siloing of thought has taken, and I'm, I'm shifting gears here obviously, going into the college campus situation, but how people are not exercising critical reasoning, how people are not really thinking about anything, how where the main goal seems to be developing a sense of emotional connection over grievance. Give me a grievance and give me a bunch of people who feel grievance and for, for whatever reason and we're just looking for something, we're looking for some kind of a medium, some kind of a vehicle to park our grievance in and express it. And I'm not really concerned about what the ultimate effects of that might be. I've been taught via social media that the thing that counts above all else is my ability to react to something. If my emotions are excited, if I sense that those emotions now are part of a larger community, Screw thought, screw rational 
uh, discussion, screw reasoning, screw critical, critical thought of any kind concerning issues. Just let the emotions flow. And, and, and this is kind of what was happening with both the, um, the abortion issue and the whole democratic issue, and I'm adding to that now, the reaction to uh, the invasion by the Hamas, uh, by, by Hamas, the, 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 the brutal murder of about 1,500 Israelis, the capture of 225 more, the brutal reaction by Israel, the Israel IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, Basically, what they have been doing to take out Hamas once and for all, what they've been doing in Gaza, the deaths that are happening there, rather, though, than looking at the full spectrum of, of the story, rather, th there is this, this sim simplification of, well, you know, Israel's been wrong forever, and they should never have blah, 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 blah. Therefore, well, what did you expect Hamas to do? And once you've, once you've accepted that ridiculous kind of a premise that, well, it's okay. They came in, they, can, they gouged eyes out, they cut off babies' heads. That, that's okay. You see, because they had grievances. And boy, we understand grievances. But we, we don't necessarily have to understand contexts. We don't have to understand the immediate events. We don't have to understand what it is that people have to do to work through problems in the here and now. No, we will simply resort to a reaction and a thought process that is conveniently manufactured for us in a social media environment. We will adapt it, and we will now begin our own form of persecution against people who we feel are not on the same page as we are because we need to feel emotion about this irrationality that we are being fed and that we are in in inputting and we are sharing among a particular group and we don't have to think out the real world implications and the last thing we have to do is deal with the here and now. What is the problem we are confronting? You can't tell me about 50 years ago and say, well, 50 years ago you realize, so therefore today this is permit. No, you can understand it. You can jump up and down and say that Netanyahu is the worst damn thing that ever happened in Israeli politics. I know plenty of Israelis who hate the hell out of Netanyahu, who have protested against him here in New York and in Israel. But that doesn't make you an anti-Semite. And you don't have to be anti-Semitic. You don't have to hate Jews. You don't have to start attacking Jews on, on Ivy League campuses to make a point about not liking the way the state of Israel is doing things. That's, that's fine. Have that opinion. But to say, let's destroy it? Because why? Well, it just sounds good. It came, somebody came up with that idea again. And a bunch of idiots, young idiots who should know better, who should be in an environment where they're thinking about the world, not being fed crap and proving that they're no longer capable of critical reasoning, are simply adopting a slogan and then immersing themselves in the emotional permission 
of that slogan without thinking through anything. This is not what we're supposed to be raising on colleges and certainly not from Ivy League schools where their parents are paying a, a, a goddamn fortune for their education and getting what? Come on, people. But that brings back the results of Tuesday. <laughs> and for all of the... Um, for all of the fears that I and others may have had, uh, suddenly it, it, it seems that, and again, you know, any, anyone, another, another big error is that saying, if, if only everybody was as rational as me, it would be 90-10 uh, against Donald Trump and the Republicans. Rational people, no, we're, we're, the nature of America is that when then when there is a 10 point difference in an, any election that is a damned landslide because there's a lot of americans who will just vote against i, I I'm, I'm against this or i can't vote for this one i'll vote for that one it, it, that's just the nature and, and we've and, and and the underbelly is always there so you you can't expect a major, major statement, but, but you, you have 70% plus of Americans favoring a return to Roe v. Wade. You have, you have 80 plus percent wanting a ban on automatic weapons and wanting a rational, uh, a rational uh, gun background checks to be out there. You have these major, major opinions that are held by people around the country that are not being reflected in the actions of their representatives. And Tuesday, Tuesday was an opportunity, a hell of an opportunity, for people to say, <laughs> sorry, this is just how I feel. Deal with it, oh, my fearless leaders in state houses and in the Capitol. And, and no sooner had, uh, had the Democrats basically taken all of these different referendum things, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, essentially the, the protections of Roe v. Wade were, were now embedded in state constitutions like in Ohio and Virginia and a few other places. And in Virginia particularly, the legislature, which was supposed to uh, give Glenn Youngkin uh, his, his, his possible surprise shift uh, capability to suddenly declare himself as the best possible candidate, he, he was running around saying, you know, no, I, I, I have a middle-of-the-road approach here. Uh, it'll be a 15-week ban, and, and, and that's only reasonable. And most people can go with that, a 15-week ban. The Virginia uh, House and Senate went Democrat. And Youngkin's entire thesis, his whole basis for being a quasi-rational Republican, he's not really. You can't be anything but a Trumpian Republican and expect to do anything anywhere right now. The Republican Party is, is gone. It's been co-opted. It doesn't exist as a rational party. It is, it is more irrational than any bunch of 
kids on a campus who basically have, have not gotten the message of how critical reasoning works. There isn't a shred of critical reasoning operating within the Republican Party. You have a party that will right now, as we stand here within the next several days, shut down the government or come damn close to it, maybe kick the can down the road, I don't know, one more time, but that can't agree on anything with their new speaker. Nothing is better. The factionalization is just as bad, if not worse, because the new speaker is even more outrageously uh, ultra, ultra far right, and, it's, and he wraps religion around himself to boot so that God is basically on and on and on. But the voters, the voters, and on Tuesday, they said, I mean, I'm putting words in mouths. No ballot said it this way, but screw this shit is basically what voters said by sufficiently large percentages, better than 10% uh, in Ohio where, where the abortion issue was now embedded in the state constitution. Oh, first thing the Republicans do, we're challenging, we're challenging. Uh, the results of that referendum. The referendum was never a legal... Re Learn! <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, geez, you know, if, if, we were, if we had half a brain, we'd figure that maybe we ought to stop leaning so hard into the anti-abortion issue. No! The base wants the emotion. No, the more rational the decisions are, the more the base pushes against it. No, we want to feel the anger. We want to feel grievance. We don't even care if it's our wives and our daughters and our sisters and our mothers who are being affected by the inability to have proper care for themselves when we ban everything. doesn't matter hurt me, punish me, just make me feel something without having to think about it too much. Let me feel like I'm part of a mob. Let me defy everything that really is democracy. I don't care. Democ it'll take care of itself, won't it? I don't have to think about anything. Yes, we do. Now we do. And there are people who are thinking. There are people out there who are helping us to see what happens and why we play the games. We can't assume that a single snapshot, um, uh, you know, uh, poll is, is, is pr both predictive and absolutely uh, irrefutably indicative of where things will be on election day in 2024. You can't. And Joe Biden's out there on the trail already, and he's finally, finally, finally referring to Donald Trump by name, or at least saying my predecessor, and saying what a, what a horrible piece of garbage the guy is, and how much he wants, and he's putting two or three, he's adding an extra message to the abortion and to the uh, democracy message. He's saying that this guy doesn't give a damn about the working man. He doesn't give a damn about union workers. Uh, was a, there was a great little thing that, uh, that Joe did. I think it was yesterday. He was out in, was it Ohio? Was that where he was? Or Indiana yesterday? And he was talking to a bunch of union guys, union people, men and women. And the point he made was that when, uh, Joe, when, when Joe Biden went out, if you recall about a week or so ago, two weeks ago maybe now, 
went to a, uh, a, it was, I think it was in Michigan, and he went to a, a, a automobile manufacturing plant to talk to the union guys there and everything else. During the time that he was there talking to the union guys, Donald Trump was just a little bit away, a few miles away down the road, talking to a bunch of automobile workers who were absolutely non-union. Biden is talking to the union, talking about their rights, talking about how unions built America and built the middle class. Trump is out there talking to the non-union people, and Biden brought that up yesterday. Now, you don't expect huge whooping, yelling, screaming, hollering reactions to Joe. You don't expect Joe to get much of anything. He's kind of a little bit too low-key, right? Joe doesn't really feel much of, you know, you know how Joe is, right? They were whooping and hollering. And they were with him every single inch of the way. And what you saw beginning yesterday, and you know it's going to go on and on, Biden has the pulse of the working class in the Midwest. He's not going to lose what he worked so hard for in 2020, and by God, he's not going to make the mistakes that Hillary made in 2016, where she could have pushed a little harder, although Jim Comey suddenly resurrecting her laptop 11 days before the election was probably the nail in the coffin for her also. Joe Biden is the old warrior who keeps getting counted out again and again and again. I can't do it. He's not going to be able to make it. You've heard this about every major election this guy has been in pretty much in the last 20 years. And all, well, certainly, and certainly uh, since the Obama era. And then all of a sudden, you get to the election, and certainly every election since 2016. And he just comes back, and he beats you. And his message, which resonates because of the way his, his physical style supports this back-to-basics way of looking at things, he is the regular guy telling you, unions built this country, and they have a right to a decent wage. They don't really, uh, who the hell, what the hell is the president, the former president doing, talking to non-union people? This is what you expect will basically give you respect and basically give a damn about you? Or is he just obviously going through the motion, splitting, splitting the difference and saying, well, I really can't support unions. And that's exactly what he's saying. Well, you know what, says Joe, I support unions 1,000% because they're who built this. Wow, the people are going wild. And they're doing it on Donald's back. And they know they're jumping up and down on Donald as they're saying and doing it. And the abortion rights are there. And democracy is expressed. He's able, he brought it together, all of it came together in a single, simple, relaxed speech. A funny thing then happens. <laughs> From the back of the room, off camera, you hear this crashing noise. And it's something fell, something tripped, and Joe stops. You don't know what he's going to say. 
then he then finally looks into the microphone, looks into the camera, goes, hey, it wasn't me. The place goes hysterical with laughter. To just really put a, an exclamation point on it, he does a little stutter step to make himself look even more doddering than he might otherwise look. It was brilliant. And without having to say a word about one of the issues that Donald's going to push again and again, Donald, completely obese, overweight, God knows what's really going on with his health internally, he basically diffused it with this native Irish-American humor. And it worked. And the audience loved it. And everybody got it because it happened within a message that everybody could embrace and embrace with such fervor, not simply because they needed to feel an emotional rush, but because it connected with everybody's historical roots as Americans, our feeling of what we're supposed to be in a unified way, the best of what we're supposed to be. It's still possible to do this. We are not subjected to sheer insanity constantly simply because that's all that's left to us because no one can think. Plenty of people can think. Damn it, Joe Biden can think. And I'll let you in another secret. Kamala Harris can deliver that message just as well, if not better. So, and I, I know, you know, David's going to be coming on in a minute. I, I, think, I think I've gotten the point across here. Uh, feeling all kinds of down and terrible after the results of the Monday poll come out and Tuesday you, you're hearing some doom and gloom from me although I entitled the show don't panic I was working around it but here we are a few days later and we're looking back because well they play the games we do have elections it does matter. And there's a guy who basically is about to lose every cent he has in New York, and he's under 91 criminal counts, and he's going to find himself convicted and sentenced before the elections begin. Well, certainly, I mean, it, it, the, the, the convictions will probably come once the primaries have started, in at least the New York case, he will be, he'll be bankrupt by the, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to fly that plane. <laughs> There'll be appeals, obviously, in the New York case. I, I, he's doing nothing to help himself in that situation. The kids, all three get on the stand, including then Donald, too. I, I don't know. I, 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 I didn't. It, it must have been the accountants. Uh, uh, I didn't do the revaluation. Wait and see. Wait and see. Wait even a few more minutes. Just, just a few more minutes here. In fact, not too many. In fact, hardly at all. Maybe a minute or two. And David will be joining us. But uh, before then, you know, I'm feeling good about this. A little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to center-left radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Center Left Radio has been here for more than seven consecutive years and more than 800 individual episodes. 800. Think of that. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we enter this final consequences stage of the Trump saga. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, but more than one word, since it is Friday, and, uh, well, you know. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot that's happened since we um, uh, have last spoken, and if you want to hear more, you can follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas and um, look, there's, there was a poll last week about how Biden is losing by Trump, Trump by, yeah. by like 10 in a yeah. bunch of swing states. Um, obviously, polls like this year out are, are hard to take seriously because a lot can change in that time. Like if you looked at it a month ago and you said Joe Biden would lose almost 100 percent of support. His support among uh, Muslims and Arabs in right. the country, right, you would right, say that's right, absurd. Right. What would happen? Oh yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, but look, the the people who are like, oh yeah, you know, Joe Biden should drop out. Okay, because generic Democrat A can win. Generic Democrat is great. Who I love generic Democrat <laughs> until generic Democrat has a name. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, like, who who is the person? Like, you have to understand that they have to have somebody who can set up and get hit the floor running for this. So it's like it has to be somebody with money. 
or somebody with a lot of connections. And the question is, like, who's actually going to beat? It's, it's like J.P. Prisker appears to be the only name that people are throwing out. But, like, if you're going to replace him with somebody and you want to get people excited, the answer is Bill Walsh. Yeah. Okay. Um, because Bill Walsh is the governor of Minnesota, and they have done a fantastic job in with with a one C majority. He has done uh, universal um, free school lunches. He has uh, done uh, protect abortion rights. I think they legalized marijuana there. There's just a ton of really good progressive stuff they've done in Minnesota. Um, but again. The answer is, who is your choice to replace Joe Biden? And also, it's a year out. Like, things are going to get worse for the Republicans because it's a clown show of a party. Like, Thank like you. just on every level. Yeah. First, yeah. first, at some point, you have to assume that we're going to do something about this war um, because it can't. there's no way it's going to go on for that. If it goes on until the election, they're going to have killed every single person in Gaza. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Which, speaking of which, the White House does actually need to make some fucking statements about this because um, currently the Israeli – this is not an exaggeration. Currently the things that the Israeli government is doing is um, using propaganda about Pollywood. I don't know if you know what that is. Pollywood is this belief that um, there actually uh, – there are no uh, Palestinian uh, – Civilian casualties. They're just faking it. Um, really? And and who is – you're saying that the Israeli government is supporting this information? They're literally retweeting uh, things from – Oh, come on. Movies. Really? Yes. Oh, good Lord. I mean, that, that, see, that's uh, – this is this is Trump. This is Republican. This is MAGA. You can't do this shit and and expect people to stay with you. Well, that this is the this is why Netanyahu is in huge trouble politically, and I'm, I'm hearing this more and more in the last week or two. But but that also just sickens me to, that that the government would attempt to lie that obviously when the government or at least through Netanyahu and then the you know the the uh, the IDF are basically the source of. People being killed. Granted, you can't necessarily believe what the casualty figures are if you're getting those uh, statistics out of uh, out of Hamas directly. And a lot of that, the I understand, US State is coming. The Department thinks that the the current figures are too low. And really, they're probably really, way high. Really, okay, all yeah, right. Because there's like a thousand people trapped in a rubble. But the other thing, and this is the one that really needs to be talked about, they've killed 30, 35 to fifty journalists, a bunch of them in their homes. And they currently had a statement because one of these outlets, um, trying to remember, the like Human Reporting, Human Homer Resource, I've never heard of this. They wrote a piece talking about how there was embeds in like the CNN and all these photojournalists were there on October seventh and had uh, had uh, advanced knowledge of what was going to happen. And the Israeli government's response was, "Okay, we're just." going to consider photojournalists um, terrorists now. We're just going to start targeting them. Even though all these outlets have already said, yeah, that's not how photojournalism works, nor do they have any uh, thing. So it's good to know that they're just going to keep murdering Let, let me ask you this, David, and I'm not, I'm, not questioning, I'm not questioning the veracity of what you're saying. Where are you getting that information from? This is, these are is, the Israeli press releases online. You, and that's a trustworthy uh, source. Yeah, it's it's coming from their like ministers and stuff. Wow. Wow. Um, 
Wow. But like that needs to be pointed out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, damn. So we we have to do something about that. Also, at some point, one of his Trump's um uh one of his court cases, like the serious ones, not the uh, the the civil ones, is going to pop off on TV, and then we'll that'll probably cause some problems. Um, so we'll have that. Uh, we also have um. Just, just the how we had the debate. They're apparently doing a fourth one. Um, that debate was awful. Oh, it was just, for just disgusting. <laughs> a whole host of reasons. First, the second debate had really good questions. This debate did not. Um, second, the they're all cowards. They're all cowards. They're cowards. Larry Hogan's a coward. Joe Manchin's a coward. Um, they're all cowards. Um, and they're all cowards because. So I missed the first 20 or so minutes because I got home late. Um, from then till the end of the debate, I'm not entirely sure I heard any single one of them go after Donald Trump um, a, a single time. Because, you know, he's not running apparently or kicking the crap out of all of them combined. Like I understand why Vivek's not going after him or DeSantis isn't going after him. But Chris Christie, your, job, your whole reason for running was to take out Donald Trump and you you have failed miserably. Um, like I, I, this, this to me is so confused. Like when they, first off the first like seven questions I heard are how, how are we going to war with these four different countries all at the same time? Yeah. yeah, yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, and then I want to talk about their, their arguments in the middle, but like, if you're talking about, um, Iran and, and anti-Semitism and you're just going to yell at kids on college campuses are how much of a chicken shit are you going to be to not point out that Donald Trump, and this is not an exaggeration, literally had dinner with a neo-Nazi? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, at some point, you're going to have to make some moves. Um, I do not understand. So they were talking about war with China, um, and they were talking about how we don't have – our military is not up to stuff. Okay, there's two things here. One – why the hell do they have a nearly trillion dollar year budget if you don't think they're they're ready to do this? Yeah, um, it's very Based weird on that what? the military. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The military is one of the only um, institutions where they allow, where the Republican Party is like, oh, it's not doing it's not doing better. Let's give it more money instead of oh, it's not doing better. Let's take all of its money away. Let's destroy it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, you know, another reason the the military might be hurting is. Um, uh, Tommy Tuberville, who is uh, still blocking people, um, maybe you know something. Talking. I mean, obviously they can't go after him because he's in their party. Think of the but, uh, think of the insanity. The insanity after what just happened relative to abortion on the ballot on Tuesday, and the notion that Tuberville is not changing his tune one tiny bit. Think of the think of the self destructive <laughs> urges that somehow have to be running through this party in order not to recognize that Tuberville is like one of the most destructive things that they could have and disruptive things to whatever type of popular recognition they could possibly be hoping for right now. I I, I can't figure it out, but okay, there it is. Um, also, Bill Chris Christie had a really good point during the debate um, when they were talking about abortion. He's like, look. If you're a pro-life party, you have to be actually pro-life. You can't just say I'm defending a fetus and then as soon as it's – well, a fetus and – or a baby, just say fuck it. Yeah. Because that's, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. like, literally. Literally. Yeah. 
they only care about the concept of the fetus. They That's don't it. care about, you know, they, like their platform is literally to roll back the free student lunches. They don't care about expanding Medicare for um, for pregnant women. They don't care about expanding child care, about expanding um, uh, paternity leave or uh, maternity leave, like any of that. It's pro-life into a concept. And as long as that exists, they know you don't actually give a shit because well, we can see the the policies. Yeah, but 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 if 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 and if their people were be were behind them a hundred percent, maybe maybe yes, maybe the MAGA people are behind them. But the people, if you care about uh, the the full electorate, and if you use the very the four states where this was a major issue the other day on Tuesday then you have to, as a Republican, recognize that maybe the way we're approaching this is pretty dumb. But they don't seem to feel that way. Well, hold on, because now we get to the actual cloud show. Um, We have... So James Comer, one of the major uh, blockbusters they found is Joe Biden got a $200,000 check from his brother, um, and this is because of corruption through China or something. That's what their argument is, even though on the check it says it's a loan repayment. Yeah. That they're like, well, how did Joe Biden make this money? It was like, yeah, he wrote a book. Um, he uh, – so there, there was that. Um, well, I don't know if you happened to say the Daily Beast uh, story yesterday. No, I did not. Turns out uh, James Comer did the exact same thing. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, it, 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 the stupidity is there. The base doesn't care about facts. The base wants to feel emotion. Give me something I can get riled about. I'm not. I have no capacity for critical reasoning. I have no ability to actually discern fact versus fiction. Just give me something I can. I can. I, I have no ability to recognize that I may be embracing an idea or a concept that's going to hurt me. I don't care. I just want to feel emotion. I want to feel tribal. I want to feel anger. I want to feel like I'm part of the Donald. Give me that. And that's all it comes down to. And that that group is going to become less and less, especially once Donald loses any kind of financial credibility, once he maybe gets hit with the $250 million and the state starts putting receivership on his stuff, and he'll appeal the hell out of it. But in the meanwhile, the state will be basically taking its pound of flesh, which is permitted to do. And you, you see how that's going to play out. And then throw in one case uh, that on TV, as you mentioned before, sooner or later, no matter how hard they're embracing their own need to be, to be propped up with emotional, you know, blood and guts and gore, the reality nope. that they're not recognized in this country as being viable for running it uh, is just going to play out all the stronger. All right. Well, speaking of which, um, just in time for Thanksgiving, the government is going to shut down. This is this is unavoidable. At and it's, it's um, see, at this point, it seems as though that is where it's going. I, I don't see how we avoid it. I, because, this, this, uh, the new the guy in there is, doesn't doesn't have any sense of how to not to. Well, do we're going to talk about him in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, since um, he has become speaker, they've done basically uh, just decrease the salaries of like random cabinet members like that that's literally all they they haven't done anything they they pulled a couple bills um a couple of funding bills i think they're going to try to impeach mayorkas on monday um yeah but just straight up impeach him uh 
they censored the Rashid Tlaib. Um, but Mike Johnson called they, – they went home yesterday. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In part because Mike Johnson's going to France right now. <laughs> for, for, this is, this, I hadn't heard um, this. Yeah. He's going to a uh, Republican conference in France that, that he's a headline speaker for. Um, so, you know, when the government shutdowns on Thanksgiving, it's literally because they can't do their jobs. Like, they can't do anything. I think they did a gas stove bill again, um, <laughs> which it may come as far as they can to actual policy. But, they're, like, there is no way that they can, like, govern in this shit. And it shows, like, if you look at the polling, not, not even the polling, look at the results of elections. So, Andy Bashir won in Kentucky. Yep. Um, I like Andy Bashir. Uh, we had. I like him uh, very much. Yeah, Ohio both uh, um, protected abortion and legalized uh, marijuana. Um, in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin ran on. You know, we're gonna if we get these two seats, they were two seats away from having uh, a trifecta in um, Virginia. And wouldn't you know it? He lost control of the Senate and the House. Both. Like it was a bloodbath there like an absolute bloodbath yeah well Um, and and remember glenn youngkin was the one who was trying trying out this 15 weeks is reasonable and and that's the way we'll split the difference and and that'll be and and by the way he's wishing in his brain i think that uh, when when the smoke clears and donald has to disappear or donald you know gets dressed in orange and and leaves the stage before the election i'm the guy that'll suddenly be the uh, october surprise and suddenly appear and it'll be no more glenn sorry not 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 really uh yeah i mean it's I mean, he's not. He's basically softer spoken to Santis. Um, yeah, he he has like a three percent more charisma. Um, he basically won the first time on like a tidal wave of like uh, CRT and um, parents anti-trans stuff because uh, of just a lot of noise around the Loudoun County thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And then since then, like they spent two million dollars. In uh, Kentucky, trying to pit Andy Bashir's like for anti-trans stuff. Like, I hope they keep running this shit. It has not worked. They're just freaks. Oh yeah. Um, uh, who who are obsessed with this? Um, so yeah, I hope they keep trying this. But look, it's hard to see. Like the the thing is, you have to do turnout. Um, part of the reason they lost the uh, the um, Louisiana election was just bad turnout. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be – they're going to have to get people to come out. I do not believe that young people are going to come out for um, Donald Trump. I believe they're more likely to stay home, and we, we're going to have to figure out how to do that. But on the other thing, Joe Manchin um, – I want to talk about Joe Manchin. Really. Oh, yeah. Uh, has oh, decided yeah. He's yeah, not yeah, going yeah. to run in uh, West Virginia. Well, he knows um, he's, he, he, he can't win. That's the other pro- – well, that's his well, problem. Yeah. We've talked about this a couple times. Yeah, Joe Manchin yeah. is probably the last Democrat who would have won in – West Virginia, just like just based on the facts, um, it is a deeply blue or a deeply red state. Um, it's also a really poor state. Like by like every metric, it's one of the worst states in the country. Yeah, it's uh, right there with Mississippi and Louisiana. It's right there. Yeah. Uh, but it is worth mentioning now that um, Joe Manchin, as always, fuck Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin 
basically set some massive pieces of legislation on fire, and we had to deal with this because Joe Manchin, we had to protect the seat that Joe Manchin just gave up anyway. So some of the things Joe Manchin just decided we shouldn't have is the child tax credit. He was one of two Republicans who or two Democrats who helped shove over five million children into uh, poverty. Yeah. He's one of the people he's one of the people who helped weaken basically chopped in half the original Build Back Better bill. Um, he is incredibly destructive to the just overall Democratic Party. And I don't think he has any ability like if he runs he, the the damage he would have done to the Biden legacy is just unbelievable. Like it is, he, I he needs to go to jail, um, <laughs> just simply for the, the the amount of poor people that he has hurt. Well, he'll he'll um, he'll he, maybe he'll meet he'll meet Donald there. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, if, with with friends like him, who needs enemies? I, I I but we it would seem though it would seem as though. The likelihood is that he will be replaced by a Republican senator. Yeah, which is a, you know, it's a harder, it's going to, I think the, the Dems can probably defend most of the rest of the map. Um, I think there's a chance that they can uh, take out a couple, um, there might be a couple seats that they can pick up maybe yeah, yeah. Um, just to keep. You know, if they end up with a 51 percent, 51 senators, 51, yeah, 51, 49. Well, even if it's 50, 50, you would wind up, of course, with Kamala Harris still picking. Well, no, we, we don't know. We we have to see where this goes. We have to see where this well, entire probably thing goes. like, they, yeah, yeah. Um, they could probably hold the Senate. Um, they're pro- they're certainly going to take back the House. Assuming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Assuming the the New York Democrats and the Florida Democrats at least get their shit together marginally. But yeah. it, the, the, the New York thing is not a given because. Um, holy crap! That is this party just filled with weirdos. Like, um, Chris, uh, Kathy Hochul is a disaster. Eric Adams is like just a fucking weirdo when he isn't being investigated for for campaign issues with Turkey. Like, they are they have done a lot of damage to this party. Well. In you know, like I say, David. I mean, th- this is this is why they play the games. This 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 is why. They, and I, I I would add just one other point to what you were talking about with abortion and everything else. And the, the, the gun control did not get that much heads up in this election. And that so that that is another major issue, another major factor. You had democracy and you had abortion that were huge. Throughout, you know, who, who would have thought democracy would have been a major thing? That's an old man's thing. No one really cares about it. Apparently, it appears that people, when confronted with the notion that the entire system of government that we have could be completely eroded away by one man basically attempting to take revenge on everyone and anything that's ever heard him and saying it out loud so that the red meat people can basically get a charge and yell and scream. That apparently. Uh, gets Democrats going. How weird, the whole abortion thing. How weird, people actually don't like to have a 50-year right taken away. But we barely, and I I haven't heard much, and maybe it'll be there, uh, but there's the whole gun issue has barely been touched. And you know how many more uh, massacres there will be and how many more uh, major shootings there will be between now and then. And you know how nothing the Republicans will respond and Democrats will pick it up. And I I, got to tell you, 
that's also going to get worse because the Supreme Court is listening to a case that's going to say it's unconstitutional to ban the bump stock. Who yeah. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not the bump stock. Which one? The um, it's unconstitutional to ban people with uh, um, with like stalking and uh, domestic uh, violence um charges from uh, owning firearms. And let's see what happens to investigating Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito well, if they, they pull up. that crap. You know, okay, I they mean, gave up. Who gave they up? ended that investigation without uh, subpoenaing Leonard Leo or um, uh, Carl, Harlan Crow. I had not. I, I know that they were blocking it every inch of the way, and no one's pushing it right now. They're okay. Then it'll have to come back again. Let it come back again during during deeper into the election cycle. It's going to come back again. It has to. You can't not do it. Um, I, I think the doom and gloom you and I were both expressing uh, last Tuesday. Um, I, 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 I entitled this show, and I mentioned this in the first segment, uh, you know, Don't Panic. I was thinking of Douglas Adams and Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide to the, to the, to the Galaxy. Um, you, you, can't, you can't take a snapshot. You've made this point yourself and say that this is exactly where we're going to be. But you can start seeing how people, how voters play the game and how people are reacting. And I... I, I know we're going to be going through, you and I, we're going to be going through ups and downs and ups and downs in the weeks and months ahead. There's going to be high points and low points. But the one thing at least that I feel very confident about is that there's absolutely no basis whatsoever for parking our asses in a low point. That means nothing. There is, I think, more and more reason to cautiously feel optimistic. And that's, I think, the, the safest and the most rational way to feel. To feel wildly optimistic and say, Donald, you know, I'm sorry? I didn't say that. No, no, no. You know, that for, you know, Donald will self, if he doesn't take himself off the playing field, he will negate himself in other ways. But you can't make that assumption. We have to play the games. We have to keep having discussions. We have to keep talking to people, just like you do in places other than center-left radio. And where are those places, by the way? Notice how craftily I led into that. Uh, you can find me for talking mostly politics on uh, Twitter at Face Ideas New. You can find me talking basketball on uh, Productive Conversation and occasionally on the left wing. Cool. Uh, I hope people are listening more and more to you. I, I know that uh, how much I enjoy talking with you and hearing from you and, and learning from you on, on Fridays. Uh, we're going to keep it up. We're going to keep going. And uh, we're going to continue with what we do, which includes on Fridays, to my, to my great pleasure, uh, ending your segments with a little jazz.
You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. What a difference, uh, my goodness, four days makes, three days make. We're watching basically Republicans embracing, or we're watching Republicans being lambasted, hurt, pained for basically not recognizing the country, for only listening to themselves and proving again and again that they are neither willing to, nor more importantly, incapable of changing. 